Hello everybody, I'm Radio Johnny and welcome to another Recovery Radio broadcast recorded live at the Lataw Recovery Center. Recovery Radio is an outreach of the Lataw Recovery Center located at 531 South Main Street in Moscow. You can contact the LRC by phone at 208-883-1045 or by email at latawrecoverycenter at gmail.com. You can find them on the web at latawrecoverycenter.org and on Facebook. Recovery Radio's purpose is to share with our community how addiction and behavioral health disorders affect us all and to share the recovery resources available in our area along with the personal stories of people in and around recovery, highlighting their experience, insight, and hope for continuing recovery. And like I said earlier, I am Radio Johnny, and we're going to jump into the January calendar right now. And starting off with the harm reduction, safe syringe exchange and supplies, that's uh, available weekdays by appointment. Recovery coaching and peer support, which can be online, phone, and in person. Call to schedule, that's weekdays by appointment. Vandal Recovery at the center on the U of I campus is weekdays from 8.30 to 4.30. Alcoholics Anonymous is every day at noon. Narcotics Anonymous meets every day at 7 p.m. Sexaholics Anonymous meets Monday, Tuesday, and Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. and Saturday at 9 a.m. The AA Monday Men's Meeting is Mondays at 5.30. Reentry Support Group with Miranda is Mondays at 6.30. AA Women's Meeting, which is live at St. Mark's Episcopal Church and can be accessed on Zoom through the LRC website. That's Mondays at 7.30. Recovery Peer Volunteer Meeting is the last Monday of the month at 6 p.m. The Grief Group meets the first Tuesday of the month at 5. The Board of Directors Meeting is the second Tuesday of the month at 3.45 and the public is invited. Vandal All Recovery Meeting at the Center on the U of I campus is Tuesdays at 6 p.m. The Events Committee meets Wednesdays at 2. New Volunteer Orientation is Wednesdays at 3. Overeaters Anonymous is Wednesdays at 5.30. The Oscar Mike Vets Coffee and Conversation is Wednesdays at 6.30. Recovery Radio on KRFP-FM, you are listening to it right now, is Thursdays around 1.15. Movie and Game Night is Thursdays from 5 to 8. Intern Meeting is Fridays at 2. All Recovery Meeting, live and on Zoom, is Fridays from 5 to 5.45. Yoga with Katrin is Fridays at 5.30. Al-Anon, live and on Zoom, is Fridays at 8 p.m. And the Alcoholics Anonymous Sunday Morning Group meets at the Campus Christian Center at 9.30 on Sunday morning. And a couple of uh, announcements here. Uh, one, for Zoom meetings... Uh, they're accessed by going to our calendar at latawrecoverycenter.org and clicking on the group name. You can follow the instructions from there. If you have a problem, give us a call, 208-883-1045, and we'll help you get it uh, figured out. And also, we have free Narcan. Uh, Narcan is the opioid reversal drug, and you can check with our staff if you'd like to have a dose of this life-saving uh, drug, um, just give them a call and uh, they'll get you set up. 
Uh, special news uh, for this week is uh, we're announcing we're coming up on our fundraiser, and we need your help. On March 1st, our fundraising breakfast and dessert both need table captains. The table captain job is to invite seven of their friends to a free meal. During the event, we discuss our programs and ask for a donation. Keynote speaker is Rosie Andueza. I hope I pronounced that right. But she is the State of Idaho's Substance Use Disorder Single State Authority. Uh, this is a fast-paced event, and you'll be proud to be associated with it. We promise you and your friends a great meal and an interesting program, and that's going to be at the Best Western University Inn. If you can help, want to be a table captain, want to impress your friends with a free meal, that's great. Uh, you can email Daryl at LetaRecoveryCenter at gmail.com. And today's show is uh, a repeat from a few years back. And it's an interview with Jonathan Z, who is a man in recovery who had a lot of influence in the Moscow Pullman recovery community. Uh, he was a wonderful man, and uh, I, I miss him terribly because sadly we lost Jonathan suddenly uh, a few years ago. And uh, we really feel blessed that his experience lives on in this broadcast interview with Denise and I, which we hope you enjoy and learn from. And without further ado, Here's today's show. You are listening to, what's it called? Recovery Radio. Oh, right. I almost forgot. I'm Johnny. She's Denise. And uh, in the studio with us today is Jonathan. He's a recovering alcoholic. And uh, welcome, Jonathan. Uh, Thank you. Why don't you uh, start us off with a little bit about yourself, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Well... I was born at a very young age. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I grew up in a pretty conservative, uh, I guess you'd say a religious family. Um, my father was a, a minister and a missionary, and uh, he unfortunately succumbed to a heart attack at the age of 43, and I was about five years old. So mom at 38 got stuck with the chore of raising four kids as a widow. Um, and uh, I grew up... Part of that time in California, um, Sacramento, um, had a pretty good, pretty decent childhood there. Um, there was a lot of uh, fun times to be had at the uh, river that we lived by. Um, eventually, most of the family moved up to the Northwest. Um, some of my siblings, my older brother and sister, went to Seattle Pacific University up in Seattle, and uh, my older sister ended up working for a an outfit called Youth Outreach uh, that ran group homes for behaviorally disturbed kids in Vancouver, Washington. And I eventually landed in Vancouver, Washington um, and ended up starting myself to be uh, work with, with troubled youth. Um, did that for a few years. Um, and uh, um, I uh, spent most of uh, the last... 40 years on the west side over in the Vancouver area and up in the northwest like Squim. And I'm a recent transplant to the Palouse area. Uh, I've been here since um, April of 2014. So um, I, I like it over here. It's a little bit different than the west side. But um, 
The recovery community here is really tight-knit, and I really like that about this place. Um, it's it's not too big, and it's not too small. There's plenty of meetings to go to. Um, and uh, like I said, it's it's pretty tight-knit community, and I've made a lot of good uh, relationships and friends here. And established a, a fairly decent uh, program of recovery in this area because of that support. So um, here I am. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, before uh, you know, we do any questions, why don't you uh, tell us about your story of recovery, Jonathan? Well, um, I guess I started uh, using things. I, I probably had my first drink at 13 or 14 years old, and I remember... Uh, going out with a couple of buddies of mine and robbing one of their dad's liquor cabinets. Um, and three of us drank about a fifth of of vodka and a pint of rum mixed with a quart of orange juice in about 20 minutes. And for 13, 14-year-old kids, um, first time drinking, needless to say, we were not smelling very good that evening. <laughs> um, lost most of it, but I guess I was drinking alcoholically um, right from the beginning. Um, I didn't really drink a lot over the the uh, teenage years, but I did get into smoke, smoking a lot of pot and doing acid and stuff like that um, as a part of uh, you know the the uh, culture that I grew up in. Um, so I guess my story starts more with with being uh, um, into that kind of stuff um, by my twenties, my early and mid twenties. I was partying pretty heavy um and i was playing semi-pro sports with uh some pretty um good volleyball players um beach players and and usvba um stuff and we we played hard and we partied hard um so um i don't know it's probably in my mid-20s that i began to realize that uh um i was I was working with kids and I was trying to set a good example and teach them how to be, you know, productive members of society. And that created a bunch of dissonance inside of me. Um, um, I didn't feel good about doing that kind of work and being the party animal that I was. Um, by the time I hit 30, my family, my brothers and sisters, um, became pretty concerned enough to do, uh, to do an intervention on me. So, um, I actually uh, agreed to do that. They they all got together at one point and sat around and and uh, had a had a chemical dependency counselor there, and they had their lists and stuff like that. And I didn't really um, have an emotional reaction to that. I didn't get angry like some people do or um, break down and get all weepy about it. But what they didn't know was that about two days before they did that intervention, I had. Um, gone home one day and just laid down on my bed and wept for about five hours straight and I didn't know why I was crying and I didn't know why I felt so empty um, I knew something was wrong and uh, that was actually even though I didn't know what to call it at the time my first uh, uh, experience of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization that we talk about in recovery um, you know the disease is, is really a a hellish place and uh 
I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that I was soul sick and and something needed to be done. So they said, you know, we're going to put you in this treatment center for a month. And I was like, okay, great. So I went in there and, and it was the fourth floor uh, at St. Joe's Hospital in Vancouver, um, which was called Turnaround. And it was a pretty good uh, recovery-based uh, um, chemical dependency treatment center. Um, and I went in there, and after about two days, uh, I realized they wanted me to say that I was an alcoholic. Oh, oh. Dun, dun, dun. And I was like, nope, that ain't happening. So I walked out of there and left and went home that night and promptly got drunk and put my car in a ditch and showed up at the treatment center the next day and said, well, maybe you guys are onto something here. I better try this out. So um, I actually um, learned a great deal about chemical dependency and the disease of alcoholism in that place for the first time um, and uh, felt pretty good about uh, the recovery process that I was introduced to there. Um, got a little bit of an understanding about the disease of alcoholism and chemical dependency and uh, did some um, intensive outpatient treatment after I left there when I graduated and did some, um, for about a year I think I stayed in there in their counseling sessions and classes um, and stayed sober for three years and four months um, and uh, decided I was well. So then um, I took off and went to South America where nobody would know me and tried drinking again. And lo and behold, the sky didn't fall and the earth didn't rattle and shake and I didn't immediately uh, turn into Mr. Hyde, and uh, so I thought, okay, this is good, and I actually did drink again, drink for six years after that, um, and eventually was became pretty um, prolific in my drinking, I guess is the way to put it, um, and I um, got to a point eventually um, to where it was, uh, my life had, had become pretty awful. Um, um, I was losing jobs. I was uh, doing a lot of dishonest behavior. Um, I lost a relationship with a gal that was very important to me. And um, I could not understand why something that started out so sweet and fine and beautiful uh, eventually and slowly turned into uh, disinterest and disgust and self-loathing in spite of everything that I could do to try to save it, um, it, it ended and that broke me enough to want to get into recovery again. And I actually started, uh, I went to another treatment center and, um, started working a real program because I hadn't really had a whole lot to do with, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous before that or, uh, meetings or any of that kind of stuff. I, I was familiar with it. Um, but, um, didn't really, um, want it the way uh, a person that uh, really wants recovery wants it and um, found myself a good sponsor found myself a good home group um, got into doing service work um, and I eventually um, began to work the steps and uh, the 12 steps and um, and understand them and I had a really good sponsor who who laid down some pretty uh, uh, specific expectations of me to do things like 90 meetings in 90 days and have a home group and call him every day and 
meet with him once a week and um, get service position. And um, basically, he uh, was a great sponsor and inter- introduced me into uh, recovery, and I owe him a great gift to this day. Um, and I stayed sober for seven years. Um, I have been, I'm 60 years old now. Um, and as I said, my recovery process started when I was in my thirties, when I was 30, um, that first intervention took place. I have since been through eight different treatment centers, um, (coughs) which means that I've, um, I'm very familiar with the concept of relapse, (laughs) but, uh, I'm currently about five years sober, close to five years sober. Um, but I've been through a lot. And uh, I've come to a, uh, an understanding of, of what it takes to recover from this disease that I hope will keep me uh, sober for the remainder of my days. Um, what uh, What's important to, to remember is, is that it's not my doing. Um, and I think that a lot of people that uh, get into recovery, that go through a treatment center and, and learn about uh, recovery and chemical dependency... Um, try to use that information to stay sober and that's and that's a legitimate uh effort um but it but it but it uh denies the entire concept of of recovery um which is that i'm powerless over alcohol and uh once i start thinking that i can do this thing on my own that i'm smarter than it is uh, that's the beginning of the fall i need help um i cannot do it on my own it is a we program um, most importantly, I need a higher power that I am willing to trust to take care of me. Um, and it's taken a long time to get there. Uh, but I've, I've uh, finally been able to uh, grab hold of that and uh, maintain a um, fairly long period of sobriety. Um, and, and the way that I do that today is, is that I stay in the middle of the thing. Um, I do about six meetings a week. Um I don't know how many meetings I actually need, um, but what I've come to discover is, is that I don't go to meetings because I have to. I go to meetings because I want to. Um, I like being in the middle of the fellowship. Um, I like the people that I meet there. I like the friends that I've made. Um, you know, it's a, it's a program of honesty, and uh, while alcoholics and addicts in their disease are the most Uh, vile and distrustful people in the world people that are in recovery and serious about it are the most trusted people in the world is what i've come to discover uh, because they are honest how how long uh, have we known each other i'll second that what he just said (laughs) i i just haven't had an uh an an opportunity to disappoint you yet but I don't know. I, well, I, I, us, I agree with what he just said. Perfect, I know? think that's great, Jonathan. I mean, we're not talking about perfect human beings, but that analogy is, I don't know, it's a pretty good assessment to me. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I like it. I like the idea of, uh, you know, uh, being able to trust people, you know, based on watching their actions. I mean, that's the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program of action. So, well, you know, when you see people behaving right, it makes them much easier to trust them because not only being not trustworthy, you know, in my addiction, I, w- I was untrusting as well. Well, and I think one of the biggest parts about being in recovery is um, we learn how to apologize and own when 
we've done something that's wrong. I mean, right. That in right. itself makes me feel safer around people in recovery because I know that they're typically going to see it, you know, they're going to own it. They're going to apologize and then they're going to talk to somebody about it. You know what I mean? Right. right. Like there's that you have this community of people who are there for you when you're ready to make a change. They support you and help you along your way. So I just think that really helps with the honesty and being genuine. Well, as a recovering alcoholic with, you know, 30 years in and out of this program, um, I've got a fair idea of when I see somebody that's here that is uh, is actually um, working a program that's genuine and authentic. Um, and what that means to me is that uh, if they're staying sober um, and they have a little bit of time with in there, um, I can trust them. The first paragraph in How It Works in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous it uses one word three times, and that word is honesty. Um, and that's a big clue about what's necessary in this, uh, in order to recover. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're lying to me, but if you're lying to yourself, you stand very little chance of, of recovering from this disease. Yeah. Uh, I believe in the, uh, in the AA preamble, it says, uh, um, you know, it, it references rigorous honesty and it even yeah. talks about, uh, someone who, uh, you know, there are those who have grave, uh, Mental and emotional Yeah, I'll go ahead and read it, Johnny. Sure. This is the first paragraph of How It Works, Chapter 5 of the Big Book. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So if I'm not lying to myself and my life is an open book and I'm not trying to hide anything from you, um, then you're, then I'm somebody you can trust. Mm-hmm. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not lying to you. Um, and the yeah. people that are actually working a program of recovery uh, are like that. Um, and generally speaking, they're the most trustworthy people that I know. Um, they're not using some sort of passive-aggressive uh, manipulation technique to get me to do what they want. Uh, they're not you know, telling me stuff they think I want to hear. Um, because to do those things, they wouldn't be able to stay in recovery. Their life depends on it, as, my, as does mine. Uh, so, you know... Um, Sometimes things get uncomfortable when we were honest about stuff, um, but that's uh, just the way uh, recovery works, and it's actually a much better way of life. I have, if I'm able to, to clean out those dark spaces inside my own mind and my own heart um, that I'm ashamed of, uh, and that's basically what this program is all about, is, is getting rid of that stuff that's, that's controlling my behavior. Um, I'm only going to be as sick as my secrets, so... That's right. Um, it's just a way of life that, that seems to be uh, much easier. Uh, this is the easier, softer way. Um, if, I, if I can go through life without having to hide things from people, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's just a better way of life. Uh, it's real. Um, and it's okay. You know, sure, life is life, and there's going to be disappointments, and there's going to be hard times. Um, you know, but, but that's okay, too. Today, because of, of this program of recovery, um, I've 
come to be able to appreciate the magic and the mystery of life um, for what it is um, and, and be willing to experience that without having to alter my state of consciousness. Um, I'm not afraid of it. You know, I feel better. I feel my pain better. I feel my joy better. I feel yeah. my happiness better. I feel Absolutely. everything better. And I'm good with that. I don't have to uh, get drunk to to deal with it. So. You can actually process. Right, right. I've heard it said that the truth will set you free, but first it'll make you a little bit miserable. Sure. And, and, and uh, we don't have to do that truth by ourselves either. That's right. That's, that's what right. makes it so amazing is to have people walk alongside of you as you're dealing with something. And the fact that you don't have to hide that, it really, um, to be able to share things that, you know, that are hard for you. I mean, it just takes the power away from, yeah. from the thing that is troubling you or the shame or whatever it may be. And that is an amazing feeling. Yeah. And the, and the beauty doesn't I, sound like it would be, but it's yeah, amazing. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, and I, you know, I found that the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, it, I, I have, I have never met anybody, uh, well, let's just say, in, uh, of the people I've met in AA, uh, somebody has a part of my story. Somebody has done something evil that I have done also. So there's a resource there for to help me resolve that, you know, to help me, uh, you know, clean house and uh, get rid of that and, and learn how to deal with it. It's the most important thing a newcomer can realize uh, when they hit their first meeting or when they start talking to other alcoholics is that uh, they are not alone. Because I know when I got here, I knew I was different from everybody else, and I was sick. And so these people had the ability to live life and cope with with work and jobs and other people um, that I didn't have, and I didn't know why. Um, you know, nobody handed me an instruction booklet on how to be a human being when I was five years old. I didn't get it, uh, you know. And the truth is, is that just about every alcoholic that I talk to, um, their story starts out that same way. Uh, somehow they felt like they didn't belong. Somehow they felt like they were outside. Uh, they didn't know how to um, feel the way other kids felt when they were growing up. They didn't feel like they belonged to the community. Um, and then they found alcohol, and that fixed everything. That was the solution. Now I can be a part of this. Absolutely. Um, that's you know. that's my story, and that and that solution actually works for a while um, until it doesn't anymore. Because what the alcohol does is it it uh, destroys our reasoning, um, it poisons our body, um, it breaks our spirit, and most of all, uh, it breaks my heart. Um, and eventually, uh, the the process by which it does all that stuff uh, comes to brings me to a place of. of devastation and horror and abomination that uh, the realization that uh, I I cannot live this way any longer I have must stop this this way of life this drinking and this this chemical that that, that keeps going on um, and and then the realization that I can't because uh, I've tried and I can't stop you know um, so you come to that place where you understand that that there's no way I can stop drinking and I have to stop drinking. It's it's utter hell. And uh, that's the place that we in recovery call pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. And once you've hit that place, uh, you're ready to do just about anything uh, to find a solution. Um, 
And I'm not saying that AA is the only solution, but it's the only thing that I've found that works, um, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm a fairly intelligent guy. I read, you know, the encyclopedia when I was 12 years old and have a pretty good IQ. Um, and unfortunately, most of the people that I meet in recovery are well above average intelligence. Um, and that doesn't do us any good in trying to recover from this disease. It's a, a summing block. Um, I should be able to think my way out of this and it doesn't work. Um, yeah. My, my best thinking got me drunk. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, and it, it comes around to a, a, a real big part of, of recovery and that's being willing to ask for help. Um, the first step says, um, admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Well, if I'm powerless over something, if I don't know how to fix the heater coil in my truck or, um, you know, run the sailboat or whatever, um, I'm going to need your help. Please come help me to do this. Um, and that's where it all starts. Um, so the admission that I'm not all powerful and the admission that I do need help uh, to do things in life um, is the great um, equalizer. It's the great uh, getting me right-sized with without a to go along in life. Uh, because if without that, then I'm just isolating myself. I'm playing God again. And, uh, and you know, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, you know, and it goes back to the thing I was saying about, you know, being somehow separate uh, from from other people, you know, and it's, you know, people that are not alcoholics or addicts uh, can't really understand uh, the way we think. It's, it's, a, it's a special form of insanity. Um, you know, yeah. why can't you just stop? I right. can. Why can't you just stop drinking? Right, right. Heard that more times than I care to remember. But speaking of stop, what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a little break, uh, listen to some music, and uh, we'll be back on Recovery Radio. Uh, I'm Johnny, she's Denise, and we've been talking with Jonathan, and uh, let's hear some tunes. How much did you take one? Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. My majesty's a pretty nice girl, someday I'm gonna make a mine, oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make a mine. Oh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And we are back on Recovery Radio, and I'm Johnny, she's Denise, and our guest in the studio today is Jonathan. And, uh, so, uh, Denise? Yeah. Let you take over for a minute here. I hope so, everyone has their pens and pencils ready. So this is Denise, and um, I've got my usual numbers I'd like to hand out. But today I also want to add in Palouse River Counseling in Pullman, Washington. Um, that number is 509-334-1133. Again, Palouse River Counseling in Pullman, Washington. And, and uh Jonathan, mm -hmm. your experience with them was? I, I had an outstanding, uh, a really good recovery program going through them. Um, they were very helpful in, in many ways. Uh, their chemical dependency program is, is really awesome. Um, they have several different uh, um, outpatient uh, programs going on there. The counselors, like I said, were, were uh, really knowledgeable about 
chemical dependency and alcoholism and very helpful. Um, and they also have uh, other mental health um, programs there. I, I actually uh, had a, an, a separate counselor there that was very helpful to me in uh, in dealing with my uh, depression. Um, most addicts and alcoholics, eventually, if if you're a chronic user of any drug or, or alcohol, you're going to fall into uh, some form of clinical depression. And uh, so, anyway, um, they were very very helpful with that as well. And now, uh, why don't we roll back to Jonathan? Um, tell us about your life afterwards, Jonathan. Well, my life uh, sober, you mean, I guess, because there have been periods of sobriety that uh, were interspersed with periods of drinking. And um, I actually don't count that those sober periods as wasted time. Um, you know, I, I know there are people that get into recovery and get sober once and stay that way for 20 or 30 years or until they die. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that. Um, I don't understand it myself. I had to pretty much get beaten up very bad by alcohol to uh, finally get this thing. And like I said, it took me eight treatment centers. Um, and uh, today uh, there's, a, there's a little bit uh, of a difference for me in that, uh, you know, a lot of people get into AA and uh, they have a problem when they bump into step three, which is, you know, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. And this clamor against religion and, you know, oh, my God, I have to become a goody two-shoes and I have to, you know. I'll never have fun again. Right, you know, and it's just, uh, I, I want to stress this, that uh, AA is not a religious program. Um, it is uh, it is a spiritual program and uh, it is about uh, being able to make that connection with a power greater than yourself, um, which, is, which is necessary. Um, in step one, I'm powerless over alcohol, so I need help. And if that just means the AA community or the group that you're in, um, that that's a good enough place to start. Um, I can't stress enough how uh, um, the insanity of this disease tells us that someday we'll be able to drink again, um, you know, and, and that's part of the disease itself. And it's it's the big lie, um, you know, and many of us pursue that illusion into the gates of insanity or death. Um, and that is a, a true thing. Um, not too many of us actually get recovery, and that makes me pretty grateful today, uh, not only to AA and uh, the AA community, but also to my higher power. Um, one of my favorite things in the big book is, and I and I just can't stress this enough, uh, and I'm not going to get religious on you, but... Um, <laughs> It, more than welcome to get religious if you want. You can share whatever you like. More than more more times than uh, once. Many times in this in this, in this book, uh, it'll give you one or, or another version of this. And it says the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. So I need some sort of power outside of myself because uh, I can't, I can't, don't have the power to stop drinking, and no other human power has that. Um, and uh, finding out a way to to grab onto that is is sort of what uh, this program is is really all about, um, you know, um, and making a connection uh, with whatever that power is to you. Um, um, so it's it's uh, you know. Uh, it, it's really integral, and it doesn't mean you need to get religious. It doesn't mean you have to start going to church every Sunday. 
Um, Although you might. Or, or, yep, or you, you know, can. Hey, <laughs> me personally, I uh, I do go to church every Sunday. Okay. I know my Bible better than most pastors do, um, but that's me, and that's my relationship with my higher power. Um, and I'm not about to tell anybody what theirs is. Uh, it's, it's, it's be like me trying to tell you what your relationship should be to your wife or your husband. Um, I can't do that. Okay. Uh, that's your relationship. And, uh, what's important is to realize that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't give the, the care of my, of, of my will and my life over to another person that I didn't trust. So step three says, you know, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Why would I do that unless I thought that God had my best interest at heart? I, I would not. Um, and so it's, it's important to come to realize uh, what God's intention is for us uh, as individuals. For me, Jonathan, um, you know, what is his intention towards me? And come to find out that it's actually pretty good. Uh, you know, the book tells us God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. Okay, good deal. Sign me up. I've been living in hell this long. I don't want that anymore. I want this happy, joyous, and free. So what do I do to get that? So we have this little process called the 12 steps. And nobody can really explain why it works. Um, but in the process of working these steps, we, we eventually come to a place where uh, something's different in us. Um, and that's 12 step. We call it a spiritual awakening. Psychologists would, would call it a psychic change. The church would call it a renewing of the mind. Um, but something has changed. And the process um, is, an, is a very fascinating process, uh, and uh, it's well worth the time going through. I was talking earlier about um, you know being alone and feeling different and apart from other people, um, and I see that in in the stories of people in the big book, and I hear it in people's stories in meetings. Um, and once again, uh, if you're a newcomer to AA, uh, the most important thing to realize is that no, you're not alone. Uh, there are others, um, and there is a way, there's a solution, um, you know, and it's an interesting thing. Um, we call this disease alcoholism for lack of a better name. And I suppose that's because, you know, um, you know, trying to, uh, cure my problems by drinking is like trying to put out a fire by pouring gasoline on it. Um, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, uh, you're not going to make things any better. You're going to make things way worse. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, uh, the, uh, when your mind gets hijacked by alcohol, um, and you're trying to fix your mind with your mind, uh, what could possibly go wrong there? It's, uh, you know, it's an Im impossible, uh, impossible job. Uh, I remember when I came in to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had that uh, great aversion to that uh, uh, very uh, common religious experience as a child. And, uh, you know, if, 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 if God is, you know, all, all good and, and wants people to be happy, joyous, and free, why does he let, you know, babies die of leukemia? Um, and, you know, that, that was just where my head was at that time. And I had a sponsor who uh, who said to me, well, you know, if you're having trouble with this God thing, can you believe that I believe? And he was happy, joyous, and free. And I said, sure. Okay, I can believe that you believe. And he said, okay, that's, that's a good enough start. 
And for me, you know, developing that, you know, higher power as I don't necessarily understand them, you know, has been a process. It's been a process. You know, I, I gave an honest effort to go back to that church I grew up in. And although I liked the church, I, I didn't care much for the people. <laughs> I, I guess I'm spoiled by the AA fellowship um, because, you know, those, those regular earthlings out there, I don't necessarily always get along with them well. I feel like, yeah, there's the church that I go to is a very accepting of people, you know, that have these kinds of problems with addicts and stuff like that. And they openly talk about it. And I think that that can really make all the difference. I mean, when you're when your pastor stands up there and talks about, you know, like literally wanting to help people that have struggles with addiction or pornography or anything destructive, gambling, um, you know cheating on their spouse and that you can come talk to them about these things and that they're not going to be like looking down at you and stuff. I, I feel like that makes all the difference. And my church really does talk about that. And then they'll come alongside of you and be like, what can, you know, what can we do? What can we do together and, and bring community? And so, yeah. And well, a church that wouldn't, I feel like that would be hard in the beginning. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Because absolutely. the last thing in the world you need when dealing with alcohol alcoholism or drug addiction is to go into somewhere where the people actually are going to look down at you or, or make you See, feel that's, shameful. That's the thing that I that really love about, about Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. and the fellowship of AA is that, uh, you know, no matter what else you may have experienced in your life with religious communities, uh, we don't shoot our wounded period. Uh, if you go out and make a mistake and you're out there drinking again, or you're doing bad stuff and you come back into an AA meeting, nobody's going to be saying, I told you so, or you shouldn't have done that. They're going to be saying, we're glad you're back. That's all they're going to be saying. Yeah. Welcome home. We're glad you're back. You know, uh, and, uh, we're, you know, we just don't do that. We just don't shoot our wounded. Uh, it's an, it's, it's all about acceptance. Uh, there's nobody in there that feels like, uh, they're better than anybody else. Um, if they do, they're not being honest. <laughs> right. And you know? they're not going to be around very long. And they're, and they're not going to be around very long. Like right. They might be said, back later, you know? but <laughs> they might have to take uh, another round. <laughs> right. But Deal. this idea that I somehow have to earn uh, God's favor is is really um, a problem. Uh, and, and one of the things that differentiates us, I think, from, from a lot of religious organizations um, and it was a very hard thing for me to do to to realize uh, that God's intention towards me, Jonathan, was good, just like a father might have towards his child. You know, if his child goes out and steals candy from the store or if he rides his bike out in the street and falls down and breaks his leg, the dad's not going to come up and say, I told you you shouldn't have done that. You know, you're a bad boy. Uh, that's not what a father does. He picks the child up and comforts it. And takes care of it, um, and uh, that's kind of how my higher power is with me. You know, um, if I decide to go off and do my own thing, he's not going to stop me. Um, he's going to let me do my own thing if I want to. Um, and uh, when the shit hits the fan, excuse me if I can't say that on the radio. When the fertilizer hits the radio, the there you go, ventilator. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm crying out for help. He'll be there. Uh, you know. But it's better off for me if I try to figure out how to live within within that uh, direction and that guidance because it's there simply for the asking. Um, and this program really teaches us how to do that. Uh, you know, 
Um, and it's pretty much about relationships. Uh, you know, your relationship with your higher power, like I said, is your relationship with your higher power. It's not my place to tell you what that is or anybody else's. Um, and our problem uh, at the heart of this of this disease is that, like I said, we felt alone and by ourselves and different from other people. And, uh, you know, uh, at the heart of this thing is uh, our inability to form a true partnership relationship with another human being. We just don't know how to do that. And if you look at the steps, uh, especially steps four through nine, um, you know, uh, uh, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. You know, how have I hurt other people? What have I done bad? What are my sins against my brothers and sisters? Um, Admitted to God and to another human being and to myself, you know, the exact nature of our wrongs, step five, uh, six, uh, became willing to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all people we'd harmed and made direct amends to, you know, became willing to make direct amends to them. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, um, except when to do so would harm them. Or what's that all about? What's happening in that process? I am repairing and restoring damaged relationships. That's what this is all about. Um, and teaching myself and learning from others and learning from God how to have relationships with other people in a positive and fruitful way. Um, you know, and if I can find the way through that and how to do that with, with, with people in my life, um, I'm going to feel really good about who Jonathan is. I'm not going to have that toxic shame and that toxic guilt that makes me want to go out and drink and use again. It's not there. Um, I'm cleaning up my side of the street. I'm cleaning up my house. There's not going to be any dark spaces left inside my mind or my heart. Um, I'm putting it out there in the open where it can't control me anymore or poison me anymore. Um, and that's really the process that we go through uh, here. And, uh, you know, the result of that, um, you know, we end up at this step 12, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, you know, uh, it just it's it's a it's a psychic change it's a renewing of the mind um it is an awakening and it it creates a life and a lifestyle that's unbelievably um fulfilling and and uh, enjoyable um something that we could not have as addicts and alcoholics without this now i i will say this i haven't i haven't met anybody that i didn't think couldn't couldn't use a 12 step program i agree um, but for addicts and alcoholics it's utterly necessary we need this to survive. We are not like, uh, you know, it's, it's, the people out in the world are like fish swimming around in the sea, you know, and we're swimming around with them, but we're not fish. We're whales. We have to come up to breathe. And where I come up to breathe is an AA meeting. There you, you know? go. Um, with the other whales, you know, I have to have that. If I can, you know, because they understand my insanity of this disease. And, uh, and by being able to relate to other alcoholics and addicts, it makes it okay for me to go out there in the world and to live life sober and to live life in recovery um, and have those relationships. And I continue to, to do that. I, I practice these principles in all my affairs like we're asked to do. Um, and it works. It's just a, it's an awesome way of life. That's awesome. Well, listen, we are uh, up against the clock here. Um, I want to say thank you to you, Jonathan, for coming in, sharing your story and your thoughts Absolutely. with us. Absolutely. Thank my you. My pleasure. Anytime. And uh, Denise, thank you for thank being, you, Johnny. Uh, my co-host today. And My pleasure. Uh, uh, it looks like we may have pulled off another one. So Yeah, we're going to go out and enjoy the nice weather, too. That's right. And yeah. And go do that. And yes, and uh, we're out of here. Stay in the light. Yeah. 
Up into the sapphire tinted skies, I'm wild red. 